Hello everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Rail Delivery Group's Big Conversations podcast, where we chat to leading minds across British industry about reconnecting the UK in a post-pandemic world. I'm your host, Robert Nisbet. I'm the Director of Nations and Regions at RDG, often on spokesman duties uh, for the rail industry. And today we'll be speaking to Tom Thackeray, who's Director of Infrastructure at the CBI, as well as Jules Townsend, who's Chief Executive of the Community Rail Network. And we're going to be talking about something which is actually the beating heart of all of our organisations and the UK economy as a whole, people. And often in the rail industry, we get accused of talking too much about big pit, bits of metal kind of thundering down along track. But today we're going to be talking about the people who work on uh, on those uh, bits of metal and also the people that travel on them as well and the communities in which they live and work, uh, which have changed in a way we're only really beginning to understand, of course, due to uh, the pandemic. Um, so uh, fantastic that you're both with us, Tom and Jules. Um, why don't we start? off with you, Tom. Just explain a little bit about what the Director of Infrastructure at the, at the CBI does. Absolutely, Robert. Yeah, and uh, pleasure to be with you. Um, so Director of Infrastructure, and I've also got energy and climate change in my brief as well. So uh, it's, a, it's a busy... Not too um, much to cope with there. Yeah, it's, it's, quite, it's quite broad. But um, I guess um, for those who don't know, CBI is a, a, a large all-encompassing business organisation. We represent businesses, large, medium and small, right across the country and all sectors of the economy. So it's, I guess we've got the power in that breadth uh, and the fact that we do speak for, for all of those businesses uh, in all those parts of the economy. My day-to-day, I suppose, is talking to businesses about what they need to invest uh, to make sure that they're delivering prosperity for the country. And then the other half is talking to government and making sure that we are advocating for the right policies that are enabling businesses to succeed. And for my side, that's you know, building the infrastructure in the right places and making sure that we're helping businesses to transition to more sustainable formats and more sustainable business models in the future. Thanks a lot, Tom. Yeah, I can imagine that uh, you're going to be a fairly crucial linchpin for, for your members as uh, as we all uh, come out of uh, of the pandemic and start to. And I, I, I'm going to try and limit my use of the phrase build back better. Um, but it is really going to be a big part, I suppose, and the underlying theme of our conversation. Um, but Jules, just explain a little bit about the, the Community Rail Network. Yes, thanks, Robert. And um, yeah, thanks for having me today. Um, I am Chief Executive of the Community Rail Network. We are a national organisation, an umbrella organisation, supporting community groups and partnerships right the way across Britain that are working to connect communities with their local railways and stations, carrying out local engagement projects, helping to increase the accessibility and uh, inclusivity of, of our railways, Um, helping local people to have the confidence to use rail and promoting rail as a part of sustainable and healthy travel and making sure that communities have have got a voice in rail development and helping our rail partners to be community-minded and understanding of local needs and opportunities. Well, I was really flattered to be asked, uh, Jules, to help you co-host the awards uh, that you put on every year, looking at fantastic achievements across the network. And some of those stories were just brilliant. I mean, it it must be wonderful to kind of immerse yourself into the world of community rail every day, because there are so many good tales there, aren't there? Absolutely. It's it's a role that I, I feel very glad, very, very privileged to hold. 
And as you say, um, there's so much going, good work going on across the community rail movement, and that's that has continued, uh, albeit in in a different guys through the pandemic. Well, we're certainly going to be uh, looking at today's conversation through the lens of uh, of COVID. And I know that was certainly the case with, uh, with the award. So let's just set the scene for the conversation. Uh, this goes back to uh, articles that were written by Andy Haldane from the Bank of England, who um, introduced what I suppose to many readers, um, maybe a new concept about social capital. Uh, which he refers to as the, the network of relationships across communities that support and strengthen societies. So I suppose while we've been uh, focusing a lot of the, the devastating impact of the pandemic, uh, you know, individually, of course, for families that have been affected, uh, but also the nation's economic and financial capital with things like business closures, job losses, ultimately less money in, in many people's pockets. So I think it's fair to say that, of course, there's been a, a bleed out effect to communities and societies uh, as well. So, Tom, I, I mean, set the scene for us. What have you seen at the CBI in relation to the loss of this specific kind of capital? Yeah, I think it's, it's obviously been a, a hugely challenging time for, for many sectors um, of the economy. You know, the, the overnight change in uh, working practices across different sectors, businesses having to adapt really, really quickly, and putting in place, you know, the uh, digital uh, mechanisms for maintaining contact with with staff has been a real challenge. But I think on, on the whole, I think we've been surprised at how fast businesses have been able to adapt. And actually, if you look at the economic hit, I think it's been mitigated by the acceleration and the adoption of technology that businesses have seen. I think there's no doubt, though, that the economic hit has been severe in some parts of, of the economy. And I think as we start to see the unwinding of schemes like the job retention scheme and the furlough scheme, I think the, the overall impact of the pandemic will become clearer even in the months ahead. So certainly that sort of the economic hit that we've seen, which has been, as we know, the most devastating since um, since the war, I think I think we're going to need to sort of have a, a real focus and a real sense of attention on rebuilding that kind of social capital that has has been impacted in in this period. I do think though that what we've seen within our membership is that there's been a new attentiveness to what business can do to try and rebuild it already, and I think primarily that's that comes through in businesses' relationship with their staff, sort of understanding. The, the sort of mental health needs of, of their staff, understanding how they can support them to manage different things that have sort of uh, materialised through the crisis, be that sort of caring for, for relatives or caring for children or supporting their local communities in things like the vaccination centres at the moment. So I think there's a new attentiveness, a new understanding that we're sort of all operating in these rather unusual circumstances at the moment and businesses need to show greater flexibility to to be good employers and to to help their staff and um, sort of get through this period. It's a really interesting point, actually. So, so some of these businesses, some of your members, have maybe found that you know, kind of internal communication has actually increased. You know, so that level to to that extent, social capital has actually Im improved with greater and uh, uh, conversations, perhaps about mental health and well-being and also just feeling connected even though you're sitting in your sitting I think room. so yeah I think businesses just have to it's it's more of a um 
a deliberate process I'd say now so people are sort of making sure that they're scheduling the regular check-ins with their teams um, the conversation around you know mental health has been a much more regular um, occurrence uh, in recent months than perhaps prior to the pandemic and I think that might be something that maintains beyond um, the current situation I think you know the feeling of contact and the feeling of empathy that people are, are feeling are feeling from their employers is is something that would be welcomed and if you actually look at the recent surveys looking at overall trust in business there's been an increase recently so i think you know overall the public and and employees have sort of welcomed the approach that businesses have taken so jules bringing this to the communities that your uh, members work in i mean how have those communities been affected obviously that's a very broad question but i mean clearly it was a flavor that ran all the way through uh, the, the awards uh, in december didn't it we've been very proud of the way that the community rail movement has has adapted and responded to, to what's needed and and wanted within communities right now and as i as i alluded to previously that has meant a lot of community rail activities being being reshaped rethought new connections being made with local community partners you know doing doing what's important at, at, at the present time supporting local resilience efforts uh, supporting uh, people with vulnerabilities, and I, I, th- I think we're, we're all very aware that the, the pandemic has, first and foremost, caused enormous widespread suffering within communities. Of course, um, huge numbers of, of deaths and the, the direct effects uh, on families uh, who have suffered uh, a bereavement. But also, of course, the, the ripple effects linked to uh, the, the, the lack of social contact that that we've all had uh, changes in work and, and travel patterns and the limitations that have been placed on our on our usual lives. I think it's it's probably going to take us a long time, actually, to, to get fully to grips with the effect that all of that has had. Uh, particularly on well-being and, and mental health, echoing the points that uh, that Tom was was making, um, and of course the long-term effects that that there have been on 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 children and, and young people. And I think there'll be a, a lot of work to be done over the over the years ahead to to really understand that and and to make sure that um, you know we are providing appropriate support to children, to young people, to people with vulnerabilities, people who have become vulnerable and suffered particularly uh, as a result of the pandemic. But I think, you know, the flip side of all of that, again, um, I think echoing some of the points that Tom was making, I think that there has been a, a real awakening, actually, of the, of the importance of community, of the importance of um, around the importance of, of us looking out for each other and supporting one another, um, taking a, a flexible approach with, within the workplace and and within our within our daily lives. And I think there's there's a lot of positives there actually that we need to make sure that we're we're hanging on to as we come through this, as we as we start to we hope get get back to normal. I think we also need to make sure that we are we are hanging on to some of the silver linings uh, and some of the the ways in which the pandemic is. is really brought some of these really important issues to, to do with mental health, to do with community, more more to the fore of our thinking. And I think there's, there's some opportunities as well that, that have emerged through the pandemic, which um, our members within Community Rail recognise. Um, I think uh, I think all of us have, have become more attentive to our immediate lo- localities, more more aware of what's on, on our doorstep. Perhaps uh, it's, it's created a feeling of you know, we 
many of us will be valuing our, our localities and our communities more. Perhaps for I think a lot of people have, have really valued connecting with nature and landscapes, and that's perhaps contributed to rising environmental awareness. And I think we've seen a, a real increased appreciation of the importance of volunteering and, and, and civil society through the pandemic. So I think there's a, there's a lot there that we, we can build on in order to to build back better and stronger and 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 greener it's a really good point isn't it because we we tend to think that uh, well and the figures bear this out that when you look at town centers and city centers uh, that we you know we we see often that they look almost dystopian almost like a mad maxian um but local areas local villages like the the village where i live in in suffolk is never busier because uh, the, the the people that tend to commute from the village where I live into the the local big conurbation, which is kind of Ipswich, tend to you know g- get on the train or get in their car and go in there and take their money with them. Whereas a lot of that money is being retained um, in those villages and in those communities, uh, which uh, are maybe demonstrating you know kind of greater cohesion um, during this. So Tom, if I if I could just bring you in on that, we we tend to imagine that there is this pent up demand for us all to just fling open the front door when we can and just charge in and maybe hug a whole group of people down the street when we're allowed to. Um, and, and perhaps that kind of social contact will, will help improve that level of, uh, of social capital. Um, but you know, th- that element of kind of social distancing is probably going to be with us for a while, which, you know, regardless of whether we can travel. So that is still going to be an issue for your members, isn't it? Social distancing. Yeah, you're right. I think it's the long-lasting impacts of of that kind of social distancing policy i I guess we're we're not going to properly understand for a little while yet but i think the first the first thing that's going to be interesting is when is the sort of broader return to work and and return to places of work that we'll see in the months ahead and how businesses manage that that process i think everyone's sort of accepting of the fact that we won't go back to the way things were previously but there are challenges inherently inherent in sort of having a hybrid model where some people are returning to work, some people aren't, and businesses adapting to the right policies, including, you know, the elements like social distancing within the office is going to be a, a quite a challenge for them. So there's, there's quite a lot of work that, that businesses and uh, operations teams are going to have to be thinking about in the in the months ahead. And a huge challenge, of course, for, for the rail industry, um, because uh, as demand increases, um, our ability to, to carry as many people as we were doing before the pandemic obviously will remain severely constrained while, while social distancing remains. So this is something that, that we will be talking to, uh, to, to government about as we gradually come out of this. So a, a really good point there, Tom. You're listening to the Rail Delivery Group's Big Conversations podcast, where we're joined by Tom Fackery from CBI and Jules Townsend from the Community Rail Network. And we're talking about people and communities and the effects of the pandemic on Britain's social capital. So just to, to dig into that phrase a little bit more, Jules, I mean, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because this provides strong foundations on which to, uh, and here's the phrase again, build back not just better, but also kinder but social capital itself is rarely assigned a monetary value. It's very 
difficult to do that. But how do we quantify kindness? How can we start to quantify, measure and invest in, in the endowment of social capital? And, and do, do we even need to? I mean, th- these are, I know, enormous um, questions, but presumably, you know, kind of rail and community rail has a, a big part to play in showing, um, you know, kind of the economic value of, of social cohesion and people working together within communities. The work that community rail is doing, um, engaging with local children, and young people, um, marginalised groups, um, local volunteers, local families, and, and, and often helping them to have greater awareness uh, about our railways, greater confidence using rail. Um, many of them, let's not forget, have um, never used rail before or not done so for decades. So there's a large part of the population for whom uh, the railways are, really are another world. And the work that our members are doing, building that confidence and awareness, helping more people to access and use our railways, sometimes for the first time, it really brings home how incredibly important our railways are. You know, and actually the the quite profound life-changing effects it can have on an individual, a young person in particular, um, helping them to um, access new opportunities for, for, for work, education, training, leisure that they previously thought out of reach, you know, literally broadening horizons. So something Community Rail can, I think, do very powerfully is is, is get that across uh, to our railway family partners, you know, remind everyone why we're here, why, why are our railways here? Of course, they're here to serve people, as you said earlier, Robert, but, you know, really, really remembering the, the difference that, that rail makes to people, to people's lives, to communities is, is critical. And I think to, to come back to your, your question about quantifying social value and the extent to which that's, that's possible, I think there's a lot that we can do. And I think there's a lot that we, we, we are encouraging and supporting the rail industry to do to, to better assess and understand social value because I think the more we, we understand it the more we can develop it and, and increase it um, and part of that is is perhaps quantifying um, the value and I think there's some some benefit in that in relation to decision making and making sure that social aspects are given appropriate attention and appropriate weighting uh, alongside economic benefits and environmental benefits but I think it, that we, we have to be cautious as well I think it, we can't monetize everything um, and actually there, there is a there is a risk if we do attempt to monetize absolutely everything and boil everything down to, to pounds and pence that actually we, we may be underestimating, we may be undervaluing some aspects of, of you know, really important good work that goes on within communities and, and the true impact of that. And there's some academic evidence too that um, there, there can be some risks, uh, particularly when it comes to involving people uh, through volunteering in, in trying to monetize the, their goodwill and their, their, their enthusiasm. So I think we need, to, we need to be cautious about it, but I think there definitely is a place. So Tom, what do you think the opportunity for the rail industry is coming out of the crisis, given the change in, in what customers and passengers uh, kind of will expect, especially through uh, the lens of the conversation we're having about the kind of the, the social value of what the uh, of what the railway um, supplies. Uh, I think there's um, a, a big question around reform in the in the railways and how it supports sort of how, particularly from a business perspective, how working life will change beyond the pandemic. And I guess the most obvious 
example of that is um, the approach to flexible working and we're seeing in the surveys that we're doing that there's uh, you know a high proportion of of businesses that are not expecting the same proportion of their staff to come back working in um, a single place place of work for five days a week and we'll see many more days working working from home so obviously for the railways that's a challenge in terms of the um, you know the how you service the different level of demand and different number of passengers um, using the networks. Obviously, customers will uh, want uh, value for money, so they will want things like season tickets to be um, adapted to support a new a new lifestyle, which which gets them that balance between their home life and their and their work life. And um, so, the rail the rail system has a, a really important role in supporting that as well. I think you know there's a much greater appreciation of some of the environmental gains that we've made through the um, through the pandemic. So I think it's really important that the rail um, system is understood by consumers as you know an important route for for all of us cutting carbon emissions and achieving our net zero gains. And I think the fact that businesses have a much greater understanding now of the travel choices that their staff are taking on a daily basis for getting into places of work is an opportunity actually because they can start to pull levers that will influence staff to to make more sustainable choices and potentially that's a that's a route for growth on the railways as well and also i think you know there's a an opportunity to think about maybe sort of flattening peaks in demands in the way that business the way that businesses are operating in, in the future which might obviously make things easier to to manage in terms of reliability of the rail network in the future. So there's a big change coming, uh, I think, and it will be a sort of longer lasting change. But I still think it's one that the the rail system can can thrive on. That's great, Tom. So I'm going to um, finish by asking you both just a fairly broad uh, question, because it, it's always nice to leave uh, people with a, a positive, warm, ready, bright light glow. Um, but Jules, I mean, are you optimistic that now that we're starting to uh, to see that little glimmer of, of hope, not just in the longer days and spring, but also the fact that, you know, the vaccination program seems to be going well and that bit by bit, although it won't be as fast as many of us, I'm sure, would like, um, but that we have an opportunity to, uh, I, I'm, I don't want to say it, but I'm, I'm just drawn to it, build back better. Um, do, do you think that we have an opportunity here? I think there's, there's lots of reasons to be optimistic at the moment. I think we need to be optimistic. Um, and as I, as I said earlier, I think there's, there's lots of positives that we, we can build on. That increased awareness and, and appreciation of community, that, that increased uh, propensity to, to to work together, and um, as Tom has alluded to, I think there's um, some particular opportunities at the moment or going forward from here around promoting rail as a as a as a form of sustainable travel and as as a key part of sustainable and healthy lifestyles. And certainly within community rail, we are absolutely raring to go when when it comes to the time where we can start positively promoting rail travel again um, and we see that there there is a, a, a huge need in terms of um, the transport decarbonisation agenda um, in terms of seizing uh, some of the opportunities that the, the pandemic has has brought for perhaps influencing behaviours and, and, and lifestyles. That's great Jill. So Tom are you are you equally positive? I think so I think it's difficult not to be 
not to be cautiously op- optimistic, at least just looking at the the success that's that we're having with the vaccine rollout, what that's doing to the to cases um, of of coronavirus and and hospitalizations, and you know there's a there's a little sort of warm glow when you sort of hear hear about someone else you know who's who's been vaccinated and has that sort of surety that there's you know that that they're going to be um, going to be safe, and I think there's that positivity which I think is starting to to play out in uh, in businesses across the country that we represent. And I think also there's um, there'll be a sense of you know not really appreciating what you've got till it's gone, and then sort of when we are able to sort of interact with people socially again, when we're able to sort of see our friends and colleagues and, you know, go out for a drink or, you know, go and see see parents or, or families who, who you haven't seen for a long time, I think there's going to be a newfound appreciation for that. And people will not want to not want to give that up readily. So I do sort of look forward to the next few months with, with a great deal of positivity and, you know, hopefully some of the, the good things that have emerged through the pandemic, that connection with community, that sort of realisation that, you know, you can balance, you know, work life and home life in a way which is, is sometimes more positive for, for individuals and for families. It'll be good to, to make sure that we harness that for the future. Well, thank you both very much indeed, Tom and Jules. I have a newfound appreciation of both uh, both of you uh, for joining us and, and having this really interesting discussion because it just goes off in so many, like, in a tendril-like ways, doesn't it? Thanks uh, also to all of you for, uh, for listening and you can uh, find this and other episodes on raildeliverygroup.com uh, and uh, to follow the conversation, follow the hashtag DardyG, big conversations on our Rail Delivery Group social channel. So thank you very much indeed for listening. Until next time, see you then.